0: Welcome into a very special edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I say very special because on the line with us today is a man who got here in 2012, uh, was, a, was a great member of those Phillies teams, Kevin Franson, who is now a broadcaster uh, for the Phillies and unfortunately has to spend a lot of time out in San Francisco, uh, the home of a team that ruined a lot of our uh, fun times here in, in Philadelphia, so thank you for that, Kevin. Um, but Kev- yeah, well, I still hated him for it, you know. <laughs> like it didn't matter. I was still silly during those times. I know, I right? know. But you got here, <laughs> Like you, you, got here in 2012. So I just want to know, um, how much do you personally take the blame for the downfall of the Phillies? Uh,
1: you know, I I probably about 76 percent of the time. <laughs> you know, like the other 24 goes to you know the front office and the other players. But yeah, it was mostly on me. Um, you know, it's all right. I was the one that caused, you know, Chipper Jones' walk off homer against Pappelbond, because I ran there and, and Prado with the bases loaded in 12. Pretty much ended our chances at the second wild card before we went to that four game series in Houston, where there was uh, a combined in a four game series, 10,000 people, and 100 pitching changes by the uh, Houston Astros and Tony Francesco, the, uh, the interim manager then. So, yeah, you know, so that, that's the other 24%. Yeah, but most of it should be put on me, which is
0: great. So, I mean, all good. Facts are facts. They had made the playoffs for uh, five straight seasons at that point. And then Franson shows up. Team cancer. And, yeah, and yeah <laughs> it is. Team cancer
1: when you hit 340. You know what I mean? My bad. So, uh, we'll, we'll go with that.
0: Uh, Kev, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks, thanks for joining the I Hopes pod. Um... Well, so, it's been a tease this whole time,
1: because, like, let's be honest, I've been wanting to do this with you for a while, and, uh, you know, you keep on saying, maybe sometime, maybe you can get on here, and I'm finally on here, and it's the end of
0: August. Yeah, that's on me. That's on me. Well, it's not always oh, it in the middle of August. Middle of August, I'll give it. Well, by the end of August, you should be back on the air, because you haven't been on the air since uh, June, since since yeah, the no, Cubs and series. Yeah, no, I'm excited,
1: because that's next week. Next week with the, uh, the D.C. And, uh, and, and Toronto series, so... Yeah, it it needs to happen more often, let's just be let's let's be honest here.
0: Yeah, I I agree. So we're we're all looking forward to that. Kevin will be back on the air next week when the Phillies are down in D C for what is shaping up to be a critical series because uh as we well know, the Phillies go out west and have a tough road trip. Uh Kev, what's what's your general take uh on this Phillies team right now?
1: Uh I, I think we're seeing just a little bit of a lull, but the you know, what we you and I were talking about. Uh, um, and just, you know, in, in general about like when we text on the whole thing, is like, look, sports talk, radio, media, all that, they want to be more reactive on the moment instead of just seeing the whole big picture. And this team's in first place, tied for first. They're actually maybe a half game out cause, uh, right now because of Atlanta winning the, uh, the first game of the doubleheader today. Um, the, they are in this position because that's who they are. They're a damn good team who's continued to play consistently well all throughout the year. Now you go through uh, stretches throughout a, a season and, and look, you go from the, the, the Dynodice played the Giants right before the, the Phillies come into town. And they were I mean, yeah, twenty five, thirty thousand at that at that, you know, chase field. And then the Phillies come into town. You have a first place team two first place teams come in and the place was dead. And I really believe that is very similar to that that Houston series. That's why I brought it up. The 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 team, the emotion, your in, Hope to play a good team, hope to have a good crowd, and it just lulls you. And uh, it, it kind of put them in a little bit of a um, – I'm not saying a tailspin at all, but you know what I mean. Like, just the, the lack of added fuel that they needed. Um, but, you know, you go into a Diego series where everyone expects you to take the series, and you know what? Baseball happens, and uh, you get two good pitching performances by, uh, by the Padres. Um, the Saturday night was a great win for the, the, the Phillies, and and you know obviously because Aaron Nola is pretty much the, uh, the best. Uh, huh. Yeah, I mean I, it's it, it's ridiculous, and um, and then you know Sunday in the in the Freddie Galley's and, and and all his you know anger towards the Phillies, I guess you could say because he hit the grand slam. Uh, it, it just that's the stuff that happens throughout a baseball season. You can't guarantee anything. That's why you play the game. Uh, all the analytics, everything aside, uh, it, it's what happens in between the lines, and they didn't get it done those, those last couple of series.
0: Yeah, and it's just been obviously it's frustrating when you when you lose a series against the Padres, and just the, just the way they played. Like I'm fine if you lose, but the way they lost those games, it was the 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 lack of fundamentals. The the defense was bad, and the offense was just the offense. The offense has been inconsistent the entire season. Now, unfortunately, they've gone ice cold since going out West, but, you know, like you said, baseball kind of just happens, and it takes over, and even though you're facing a rookie, sometimes that's tough for a lineup because you've never seen him, you have no tape on him, uh, and that's what happened on Friday night. Uh, and then Aaron, yeah. like they say, I mean, rookie pitchers, sometimes they come out and dominate you. That's just part of the game.
1: Jacob Nix, is he's a good pitcher, man. He's got a, a reputation behind him, right? I mean, he's someone that they, they highly covet. Uh, and Lucchese who, you know, it's easier to say his name than watch him pitch at times because of everything that's going on with his windup and and all that stuff. So, yeah, not having a plan on a guy um, is tough. You can see all the videos you want, but until you get in the box, you don't know what that ball is actually doing, you know. And and so it just – it was tough. You said it. Gabe talked about it after the game yesterday fundamentally they weren't on, and he wants it by himself, but like, that's Gabe being awesome and taking the, you know, the brunt of everything for his players. It's on the players to execute. You know, the players got to go out there and, and get a guy over, get a guy in, do the little things right. Doing the small things in the end will always make the big things happen, and the big things happening is a win. And so if they take care of those little things, we've seen it you know, throughout the year, they win those games. When they do take care of them, when they do play crisp defensively, which hasn't been often, they did have a good stretch. Right, I want to say like a good month where they're playing so well defensively that uh, you know that was helping out so much, you know, so much of the games in in their favor. Um, It just happens that with the defense, with the offense going cold, the 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 first stretch they had of this, uh, the pitching stepped up and kept them completely in the game. Uh, I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but it was a little bit, you know, a uh, uh, taller task to to overtake some of these deficits that they were in.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I, let me just ask you this on a on a holistic level: if you're playing for a guy like Gabe Kapler, you're in that locker room, like, and a much has been made about he's so positive and with the media, and he's just he's not being honest with us. Like, what would what would Kevin France and the player think of playing for Gabe Kapler?
1: I would love it for the fact that like he's like Charlie Manuel. Charlie was he, he? Yeah, he spoke in truce, but he never threw one guy under the bus, did he?
0: Not that I remember. Charlie was not. the
1: best. Charlie was so good at, at making sure that his players he would take the bullets for you because that's who you know. He didn't want you to have that added stress. Look, I, I love I love honesty. I love all that stuff. But at the same time, as a player, like we know when we're wrong. And behind the scenes, behind closed doors, if he's telling me or telling those guys, "Hey, we got to you know clean some stuff up," and he might not say stuff, he might say another word, then I'm in. You know what I mean? But what he's doing in the media, I think, is phenomenal because why should he throw people under the bus? That's why why coaches, managers, and uh, you know other players throw other guys under the bus when, like, if you're not going to say it behind closed doors, then why are you saying it?
0: And really, what can you gain from it? Like, you're going to go to the media and say, this guy stunk tonight? Like, what what, is, what does that do for a player? It does absolutely nothing. It
1: nothing. It, 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 it actually pisses you off a lot because you're like, dude, you can say that's like, man, oh,
0: no, I suck
1: tonight. But the fact that, like, if you'll find a positive and people are like, oh, this is like, you know, him being like, with, handling with with kick, gloves. it's not. You're handling human beings. And so people that want you to get on these guys and hammer them and say, they suck they did this it, you ask that same person the same question about their boss if they were ripping you to you know thousands or millions of people how would you feel right you know and, and everyone would be like oh I, I would hate then shut it because the the fact of the matter is people and, and people want to criticize because they're not that good right we always look for the negatives in the media because we can't we can't judge ourselves compared to him. So what do we do? We go out insecurities and, and, and judge people, you know, and, 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 and hammer people and think that, you know, Gabe's not a good manager because he doesn't rip people. Uh, no, Gabe's a great manager because why? Because he has the players' backs. And more than anything as a player, you want to know that you are, are not really, it's not loved, but protected. And, um, you know, Gabe does that, and I find that to be a a phenomenal trait that he has.
0: Do you think the players uh, care much about how the game is played today? You you hear all the time about – I feel like most of the criticism on modern baseball comes from people who grew up watching the game a different way, and now the game's different and they can't handle the game being different, whereas players – it feels like all don't mind how the game is played today. They say it's just it's just baseball. It's how the game's played now. I've completely adjusted to it. Do you do you think you would like how, how modern baseball is played?
1: Uh, no, because I would be out of it, which I am because of it. No, I'm serious, and that that's the thing. But at the same time, like I love baseball, so I don't sit there and go like I can't believe this is happening because I love baseball. I love everything about it. So yes, I will adapt to it. You know, what I mean, I'm not going to sit there. The moment I sit there and, and just you know, sulk that this game has changed and all that stuff, then I'm, then I'm sulking against something that I completely, utterly love. And People hate change. People don't like to see change. And so when, when the analytics and, and all that stuff come in, in, into play, people, they don't step back and say, man, this is baseball, I love it. They just think, "Damn, there's only one way to play the game. Is there? There's no right way to play the game. It's how your team, it's how your your love of the game is seen. My love of the game is seen by a team that I love or whoever I am around is playing it passionately, energetically, all that, you know what I mean? Like with with, some of that they love the game as well. So do I think today's age, I think more guys just, I'm not going to say love it, but they just like, they accept it because they're like, we're playing. Like, the, the, the why? Why do I? If I sulk so and I'm I'm living in the past, I'm never going to get better. So these guys, like you, look like a, a guy like Max Scherzer. You would think this guy came up almost, you know, at that point where uh, it, the game was kind of changing, and he's embraced the whole analytics. He's embraced that he gets better every year. Why? Because he knows that the game's not going back. You know, falling back to the old the old ways. He needs to get better. He's going to continue to get better, and that's why he's great.
0: Yeah, it just feels like it feels like the like the analytics side of baseball all of a sudden just jumped on Philly's fans. They went from they went from the old regime, which was zero, there was no analytics, yeah. to all of a sudden Gabe Kapler talking about xFIP in the media and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I just feel like people weren't quite ready for it, but the game's changed and. For the most, like if you here's what I don't understand: like if you look at baseball and you look at the, the successful teams in baseball, they are all the most analytically driven teams, and I just don't understand why people don't want more information to make them better. Like that that that's what players uh, for for a hundred years is all about getting more information. Because then there's thought. Then there's thought.
1: Right. You know, with, with more information comes thought, and then you you start doing all that. Bullshit. The analytics side of things, like the more you get into it, the more you understand it. I absolutely get it. You know, like I, I think I have a, a pretty good understanding of it. Uh, what the Phillies have done, what the Dodgers have done uh, in, in bringing that that player liaison, right? And, and like a, uh, a Chris Young, a uh, Sam Fold, being that liaison from the the management side to the baseball side. Now that's what that, that's the stuff that Jason Worth was talking about. But not talking about, like there's teams that have done that, that have had that, the, the, the player to be able, the ex player to be able to communicate things to the players. Right. And I think that's where the game needs to go. There still needs to be baseball people. Absolutely. This thing is not about just the numbers. There needs to be the baseball people. There needs to be the coaches that are the old school type, but understand that the analytics that the met you know, sabermetricians, are there for their help, not to change the game, but for their help to win a ball game. And ultimately, ultimately, the number game of any sport of any game is to score more runs or be better than the other team. And you know what? If if this you know percentage is telling me to go this way, do it because if my team's going to win, I'm going to do whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, and it feels like it feels like from a whole the the Phillies. Staff has been working with guys to, to, to make them a little bit better. I, have you have you noticed Jorge Alfaro? He seemed like he's changed his swing up a little bit as well. Like it, there's minor things that if you watch the team on a, on a night in night out basis, that like there, there's minor things that you see from these guys trying to get better. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the developmental staff. I mean, Gabe Kapler came from the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he, he was he was the what was he the head of player development in their minor leagues, yep. uh, and it feels like. They've been so... They've been so... They've put such an emphasis on player development. And eventually that's going to bear fruit as these guys play more and more. It's just the fact that this is the youngest team in baseball. And that's why you're going to have the inconsistencies like going out west and losing two of three to the D-backs and Padres... That's just a part of being a young team. Uh, it is a critical point. It is a critical point for the season, though. I mean, this is uh, this is this has been a resilient team this entire season, and I think it's impressive for a team this young to be as resilient as they are. But what do you what do you think is going on like in that locker room? What do you think they're saying to each other? What do you think if you were if you were in the Phillies' locker room or in, in your playing days, coming off of a rough series out west, coming back home to face another good team? What's what's the general sense around the locker room?
1: Uh. That fellas, this isn't the end of the world. This is just a series, and we're we are who we are because we've we've played our butts off to get here. We are who we are because we are damn good, and we are who we are because you know what? At the, it, no matter how many punches we take, we're just still keep on getting up off off the mat. And uh, like you said, they are resilient. And every single time that they've been challenged this year, I mean, you can go back to that Sunday game in in Washington, right? Where they have the game, blow it, and then the next day, they come out and win. And it's like, dude, how did you guys just do that? You just had the most deflating uh, series loss or uh, <clears throat> you know, game against the Nationals that could have derailed you, but they didn't. They don't think about the past. These guys are very like, I'm going to look forward and you know, not dwell on the past. I'm going to dwell on me playing, not dwell, but I'm going to look forward in a positive way towards what's coming next. And that's you know, putting myself, putting ourselves, the Phillies in a good spot, in a great spot to win.
0: Now, the offense did have a rough series out west. I mean, even though yep. me and you are both positive and bullish on the Phillies coming back and being fine, what are you? Uh, what are you seeing from this this Phillies offense at the moment?
1: Uh, just trying to do too much, not, not taking what's given in front of you. I think that goes into the fundamentals of just. You know, playing the game, and it's not an analytical thing. It's nothing. It's literally just being a hitter, being a good, uh, you know, situational hitter at times. Look, the homers, the doubles, all that stuff, they're great. It's, that's awesome. But when it comes to October, when it comes to playing, winning baseball in September to get you to the playoffs, you got to do the little things move a runner over, get a guy in, instead of trying to do too much. And I think sometimes that uh, you look at a young team, and when things happen, it, it, you could say it about any sport, you could say it about any way of life. When you're young in something, when you're inexperienced in something, as far as a certain level, you want to try to overcompensate. You want to try it so bad. You want it. So, therefore, you, you, know, it, 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 you take away from your, you know, yourself, your team, by doing that. And uh, I think if they step back and you know, take what's given to them, the bigger things are going to happen. And I really think that don't, make, don't try to make the big things happen without, you know, taking care of the details. And the details in the situation, I think, uh, are from a bat to a bat, um, you know, just grinding away. And, you know, we, I think for maybe a couple series, lost the grind a little bit, but that's, you know, two series. It's not a, it's not a whole month. It's not a couple months span. It's a couple series. So I think they're, they're going to be just fine. Uh, Obviously, with you know the Red Sox in town and uh, the Mets series, I think you know they got they got some good tests ahead of them.
0: Yeah, and I think one of those guys that's trying to do a lot right now is is Reese Hoskins. Um, I think he's won for his last twenty seven. And we saw a streak like this in May when he, before he broke his jaw, he was going through a, a bit of a slump. There, uh, he he has taken the burden as being the leader on this Phillies team. Uh, and when they're struggling, I feel like he tries to pull him out of a slump, uh, pull him out of the struggle with one swing. And he can't do that. He has to he has to relax a little bit and understand it's going to come to him as well. Uh, seeing anything from Hoskins or just like a minor little slump.
1: Uh, it isn't my little song. And look, when he gets in his ways, he forgets how good of a hitter he is. I mean, there's going to be like the two strikes where he pokes one down the line, the right field line. You know what I mean? Like that certain stuff is no. You know that he's locked in. I feel at times that he gets so not pole conscious, but he just gets. I want to. Uh, I want to yank everything, and yanking could be left center, right, not just a pull pole. pole. Um, and I, I think that sometimes the trust in yourself it doesn't matter who you are. There's got to be a trust in yourself and your hands and your eyes. Uh, he loses it for a second and then he regains it. And it's pretty special. Um, so one for 27 is not good, but Reese Hoskins, Hoskins is very good. And uh, I think uh, just in general, this is one of those things where as a hitter, as a young player, you, you, the ebbs and flows of a season, you're going through it. How do you come out of it? How do you react? That's what everyone's waiting for. And, and, He's not a guy that let this thing, like, slide for a long time. He's a guy that continues to work, but he just needs to step back and just understand that the guy behind him is going to get the job done. The guy behind that will get the job done. He doesn't need to do it all on his own, and when he does that, he's as special of a hitter as there is.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's when he's going right, he's just insane. And uh, listen, he's a young player. He he just he literally just had his first full year in the big leagues, and I feel like we talk about Reese Hoskins like he's been playing in the league for ten years. That's the way he that's Boy, the way he, he handles himself.
1: Yeah, that's the best part about him, right? I mean, like he's not trying to be like I'm going to be the leader. No, he just naturally gifted leader. People follow. He's a pied piper. People follow him. Uh, he can do whatever he wants because why? Because he works his butt off. He competes. He plays every game so hard, and you know what? You respect that.
0: You definitely do, and I think his teammates really look up to him. And one thing I think has been underrated with this Phillies team is that they've won. All the young guys have won all throughout the minor leagues, and while they were all winning together, throughout the, yeah, all together. And even though some of them have struggled, like Kingery or whatever, but listen, Reese has been the guy that they would turn to when things would get tough, and now he's doing that in the big leagues, and that's really cool. What do you What do you think's going on? With Scott Kingery, like I think Scott Kingery is going to be fine, a good player, but I mean, right now there's really no justification for putting him out there. He just looks looks a little lost to the plate. Have you seen uh, anything from Kingery? Should we be worried about Kingery? Uh, Here
1: and there. I mean, I watched I watched so much of him last year uh, in the minor leagues. I'd watch games. Sal Rennie, the hitting coach, in Lehigh, always told me you need to you need to watch him. And I was like, why? And then I turned it on, and I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, where did he play last year?
0: Like second, what position? Second base.
1: Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, number one, I, I'm not going to say I'm Scott Kingery. I played, I, you know, I put up numbers in the minor league, did my thing. Uh, I played second base. And when I got to the big leagues, I was having to move around. And you almost think mentally, um, in, in the team aspect, you don't want to be a liability. And, you know, where you are playing, because you haven't played it, right? And it takes away from some of your games. And it's not an excuse. It's an actual fact. And I feel like the moment you, you know, they showed that they wanted him to be a utility guy, do all that that's awesome. You know, the, the, the confidence that they have in you. But as a young guy, you're acclimated to one position usually. And in a case like Scott Kingry at second base, where he was a stud there, right? And there was no thought about having the defense when he was playing second. Thought like, oh, man, am I a liability here? Yeah, but why does. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case with Scott, but I, I take it from perspective. It takes away from something, and it's taken away a little bit from his offensive side.
0: Yeah, but but I just don't understand why. Like it's it's just playing. It's playing a, a different position on defense. How does that translate to not being able to hit?
1: Or well, where's your energy? Where's your focus? There's so much of your focus is out there, and and you put yourself in a player's perspective. Like, dude, it's, there's a lot that goes on in the mind. There's a lot that goes on throughout a season. Like people think it's so. Like what? Your honestly, your question makes it sound like the game. Is easy. You know, the game's not easy. This is a tough game, and you're learning it. He's learning it on the fly at the big league level. It's not easy. What he's doing, what they for, not force him to do, but put him in a position to do, uh, is not easy. And whether you play every day, it doesn't matter. You're still in an uncomfortable situation. He's still new to shortstop. And he played. He did a damn good job. Not great, but he did a damn good job for playing it for the first time, really. And you put him in a comfort spot. You put him in a, his natural spot where he doesn't have to think about anything. He just work on his routine, his routine. I think you'll see a Scott Kingery that we're going to love and uh, grow, grow with and love in Philadelphia.
0: So, would you, if you're Kevin France and the GM, do you trust Scott Carey so much that you move on? From Cesar Hernandez this uh, this offseason? Uh,
1: that's, you know, I'm not a GM, so I'm not going to put it <laughs> in that spot. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, it's just a tough you situation. Know because you know? I
1: love, because uh, Cesar and I are so, I, I love him. Um, I mean, I think it would be a smart move. It would be, in my mind, because I think you get stuff for Cesar. Uh, but Cesar is so good in that lineup. He sees a lot of pitches. It doesn't matter average or whatever. He plays a good defense. I just think what you invested in in Scott Kingery is a utility yeah. guy, and I really think that that's a huge uptake with Scott Kingery. The moment that he plays second base on an everyday basis.
0: Okay, that's that's very fair. So what uh, the the Phillies made some some trades at the trade deadline, and now with the addition of Justin Boer, um, what do you think? What do you think the Phils are getting in Asdrubal Cabrera? Uh, your boy, Wilson Ramos, you guys are teammates down in Washington. I can't wait for him to get Cabrera up here. Teammate. You Yeah, you're a, you're a teammate with, uh, with Azdrubal as well. What do you think the Phils are getting uh, from their additions? you think it's going to lengthen out the lineup, make them even tougher?
1: I think it's awesome. I think that the Justin Ford was a perfect baseball move. And you look at the situations, dude. They didn't give up much.
0: They gave up nothing. They
1: didn't give up much, and they got a lot back. And I feel like that is huge. You know, and, and when Wilson gets healthy, he's a dynamic hitter. He's not fast. So don't expect him to, to be uh, Carlos Ruiz down the, down the line. Chooch would get down, bust his ass down the line. We all know that. He's not that. But, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he's got a cannon. Uh, just like Alfaro, he knows how to call a game. He's been around great pitchers. He can get he's, – he's, it's not like a new situation for him. He knows how to win. Uh, great teammate, as durable teammates. Um, I don't know, you know, where it's going to take him defensively at shortstop, you know, per se. But offensively, he's going to do some good things. Um, the Justin Bohr one, I did, I still think was one of my favorite moves because it, it took away from that that divisional opponent who's hurt him a little bit here and there. Not not the Marlins, but Justin Bour, uh, and, and added strength to something that they didn't have a lot of strength from. And that's their bench, and I think it's a huge part uh, of the of a baseball season having a strong bench, as strong a bench as you can have. And, you know, obviously, this split, lefty righty, um, you know, will make him susceptible to, to, to playing more against righties than lefties, and I think that's a big move.
0: Would you consider uh, um, starting him over Carlos Santana if he continues to kind of scuffle? Uh,
1: I think more or less you could. A break here and there. Yeah, um, it has nothing to do with you know. You got a bench, Carlos Santana, because you know you're paying him good money. You're not going to pay him to sit the bench, and he's a good player. Uh, you know, whether he hits 215, whether he hits 280, he's doing things to help you win ball games, um, and that and that's a big thing. So, how is how is a guy? I want to see how a guy affects my team when he's not doing anything. And I think that we've seen it from Reese, we've seen it from Carlos Santana. They still find ways to get on base. Right when they're not hitting, they're finding ways to get on base and making things happen. As far as just you know, creating that doubt in, into someone's mind, and uh, you know, I don't I don't sit them for games on end, but you can give them a break here and there and be like, Hey, man, take a deep breath. We got you. You got a guy more capable to uh, handle your spot.
0: Sounds good. Um, so I want to get a little inside Kevin Franson, the batter, like back in the day. What is yeah. is there any way to have a plan against a guy like Aaron Nola when he go up there? Like it feels like he is just impossible to plan for because he can throw three pitches whenever he wants.
1: I think I think your plan is thrown out the first inning of the game because he'll show you something different every time. Um, and rarely do we see a pitcher have all his pitches going, but rarely do we see a young pitcher when something's off. Uh, he has multiple ways to get you. And, you know, because we see so much stuff these days, right? The 98s, the 100s, that's how guys get away with things. Uh, we see a pitcher in Aaron Noah that is cerebral. Uh, he, he's going to outwork you. He's not going to outthink you because I don't see him being a thinker, but he might be. I mean, who knows? I'm not in his mind. But I see someone that has the capability to, okay, this isn't working. I'll, I'll work around it. You know, it doesn't make him panic. And, as a hitter, when you know that, that's not fun. That's really not fun. Because it's, for me, you're, you're going, you're, you're always trying to look for an advantage, right? Whether it's a guy tipping pitches, whether it's a guy that, uh, um, you know, gets into uh, predictable counts. You can't, he, he doesn't, he's not predictable. And that's the best part between him, Andrew Knapp, or Alfaro, they are on the same page, and I love that. Whether, it doesn't matter, it's him and one guy. No, it's him and both guys. He's on the same page. That's huge, right? So I think that's going to be interesting when Wilson gets in there is understanding and, and seeing Aaron Noah because Aaron Nola as a pitcher is different than a lot. He can, he can work around uh, a weakness that he has for the day because he's got so many other weapons. And um, we're seeing someone special. It's not just a special year. We're seeing someone that's going to be special for a while, you know, you know the health staying healthy. Uh, obviously, but um, you know Aaron Nola is a stud. Uh, his his mentality is uh, a, a stud, and it makes me think that you know Philadelphia Phillies and fans are in good hands for a long time with him.
0: Yeah, and you were around on those on those twelve and thirteen teams. Like you were around yeah. guys like Halliday, Lee, Hamels, yep. and it feels like Nola's cut from the same. He's right in there, right in there, no doubt.
1: I mean, the guy the guy works his butt off like he's an ace. He starts a game wanting to finish it, whether he does or not. It's there. It's not like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm so happy you took me out in the fifth. No, he's not. He wants to finish what he starts, and that's a special trait that we we saw with those guys. And uh, you know, obviously, we could go on and on about what it takes to be an ace and to be around it. Stop there and, and watch Aaron Nolan. You know what it is.
0: Yeah now what's your uh, what's your general take on the the rest of the starting staff? like Arietta, uh, Pavetta, we had a nice heat a nice outing in Arizona. I'm a big Nick Pavetta guy. I think he's gonna be really good as soon as he learns a third pitch. Uh, Eflin has been consistent. He's been spotting his fastball both sides of the plate. And then you have Vince Velasquez. Seems like he's taken uh, a nice little step forward this, this season. Obviously, he had a bad season, a bad start against the Diamondbacks the other day, but for the overall season, he's been really good. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the rest of the starting staff heading down for, uh, for a chance at the division?
1: I love it. And I love the fact that the, uh, the front office and, and Cap and, and uh, Rick have, have decided that these are their guys, right? They didn't go out and get any starting pitching for during the uh, the trade deadline. Why? Because they believe in these guys. And you know what? When when a team is all on the same page like that, you know they have good, good, great arms. Uh, Nick Pavetta, obviously, he went through a pretty you know down stretch for a while. Uh, last time out it looked great. Fastball was there, curveball was there, the changeup at times looked looked good. Not great, a different <laughs> level because of that fastball on the way it explodes. The way he can, you know, keep it up at the uh, the, the letters, um, it, it, it's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, Eflin, obviously, right now with that him going down, it's only for you know, well, logistically what they had to do. Um, he's been good, man. He has been so solid, uh, someone that they can build on. And you know, I, I read that article about his, his agent coming out and saying things he needs to. Number one, understand his agent's trying to have his back, but number two, the Phillies have his back and understand that this is a bigger thing than Zach Eflin. Look, you will make your money in this game. Do not worry. We this is not to try to like, oh, we're fine. You have options. They needed this for the Philadelphia Phillies, and now um, I think if he overcomes that and, and you know is on the same page as everyone, we're we're talking about someone that's going to be so special for a while. And Velasquez, look. Guys don't strike out 16 guys in a game for, you know, with average stuff. And whether that's a couple years ago or not, this guy's got a special arm. And we're seeing it. Um, We're seeing it more often this year than, than in years past. And, you know, you can't just, like, that's part of the media thing. We can't just, you know, rely on one start. You know, he has a good three, four, five in a row, and he has a bad one. Don't take a step back on him. Stay with him. Because it's going to be there. That arm is special. He's got a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, going forward, we're going, to be, we're going to be seeing some, you know, really good arms here. Uh, is the one that, that kind of scares me lately. I don't know why. Because I think it was, you know, the, the June, and then he has the July. And now we're seeing that that's almost the June again with him. Maybe not as bad, but uh, it, I don't know. Stuff-wise, it, 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 it's moving all over the place in a great way i just don't see how guys are hitting him like that yeah
0: that's that's always been my thing with him it's 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 still it's 93 94 but guys yeah. just seem to be able to barrel him up it's the it's the weirdest thing ever and he's
1: it's it's weird because it's not easy to hit and so that's why it scares me because i'm like what is going on here like is is he hiding is he not hiding it as much is it you know are they are they is he getting predictable but i think in the end run he'll be just fine and uh you know He's obviously had the experience in the postseason, and and hopefully he can lead these guys, and uh, Nola can lead these guys to the postseason.
0: Yeah, well, uh, things are getting fun, Franzen. Things are getting fun. The, the Phillies are back finally. I mean, I know you were on the last team that was actually kind of competitive, um, but yep. it, it just feels like it, it just feels good that the Phillies are back, and hopefully, dude, it's so good. I and know the
1: bank is and the bank is starting to rock again, and and that's that place is what made me fall in love with it when I was. A giant in 2006 and 2007 is those crowds, the unbelievable atmosphere that it created uh, and it will always go down as my favorite place to play because of that, just alone so having it back for them these guys, these young guys and experiencing it, oh man, I wish I was there to see it.
0: Yeah, well uh, unfortunately you're going to be on the road games Uh, again next week is when you're back finally on the airwaves down there in D.C. Uh, We'll try to get you on next week and uh, talk a little bit about some fills, okay?
1: All right, let's go. Good film, Uh. (laughs) Thanks, guy.